Hey everyone, what's up? It's another week of Find Your Film. You know, guys, I, I should I should have actually numbered these episodes. How many episodes have we done, Bruce Perky Punk Chronic? Maybe 12, 14? How many do you think? That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of these days. I mean, if we've done it about three months, then it's one a week. Yeah. So yeah. We are slowly but surely increasing our listenership and our communities. I am I am joined by I'm, my name's Greg Srizavasti. I am joined by my betters, Bruce Perky Punk Chronic. That that perk is a re- chronic perk chronic. Come on, perk, oh perk. Oh, sorry, I can't because I have cataracts. I have cataracts and I bad I bad eyesight. And I was going to mention a, a couple of other things, but that would have been been bad humor on my part. The reason why I said punk because you were you used to be a punk punk rocker, Bruce Perky. True, true, true. So one of these days we're going to dive deeper into your punk rock days. I think we've probably delved into it a little bit during the movie mainline movie mainline days as well as maybe a little bit with find your film. I also have Eric Holmes with us. He's he rounds out the trio. Eric Holmes is going by Tom Studi, S T U T T E this week. Eric Holmes, what is the tell us about the moniker? Yeah, I was a friend of mine back in Omaha. In fact, uh, he hung around. He worked at the. I uh, remember uh, did a review of the Cog documentary or the Cog the Cog doc. And he, uh, he he worked there a lot, and found out last week that he died. Apparently, he had cancer. I didn't know about this until I heard that he died. And actually, I haven't seen him in a couple of years, so it was pretty sad. But he was a good guy, and I figure I'd have my name be Tom Studi in honor of him for this episode. Very cool, very cool, Eric Holmes. Yeah, that is that is very awesome. Yeah, we have a really good movie to all three of us have seen. We are actually working. We, we try to work as a team with one film every week. We have this movie called, I was going to call it Per Chronic for some reason. And I'm going to call it Synchronic. Synchronic we have. It opens in theaters and drive-ins October 23rd. It stars Anthony Mackie, Jamie Dornan, and it's directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Now we have a lot to talk about Synchronic or per chronic however you want to call this movie that's going to be our main feature this week and then you know eric and bruce they have their respective picks as well this week our goal with find your films every week we give about you know seven to ten movies of of movie recommendations and hopefully you guys will use some of these recommendations when you head into the weekend to watch some of them some of these movies and hopefully we're giving you guys good picks now do you guys have any any rewinds this week at all (laughs) I have a semi-rewind. A semi-rewind. Uh, what is a semi-rewind? Okay. Never heard of that. Yes, Bruce. I watched, well, last week we did our special deep dive on uh, David Mamet. Yes. So I watched The Winslow Boy. <laughs> never, never heard of it. Never. <laughs> the Winslow Boy, by the way, Bruce, it is streaming where again? And Amazon Prime. Okay, Amazon Prime. I okay. So take a listen to our David Mamet spotlight. We did it last week. Eric Holmes was leading the conversation on that one. That was his choice because Eric Holmes, along with uh, wanting, you know, being a director, soon to be director of his first film coming down down the pike. Hopefully, he won't direct it in another ten years because I just <laughs> want him on the podcast for the rest of our lives while we grow our audience. I'm being very selfish. Sorry, Eric Holmes. But well, that uh, might Eric, actually it, happen, so we never know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean I'm sorry. Sorry. No, but uh Eric, by the way, how many times can you can you tell our listeners how many times have you seen the trial of the Chicago 7 now? How how many times? Uh <laughs> I saw it four more times this week. Uh so a total of 7. Yeah. 7 times. Do you, are you stopping at 7? 
that's uh <laughs> you know I, I think we discussed this off air um if i see it again i'm not telling you <laughs> <laughs> okay i might see it an eighth time for the chicago eight but yeah we'll just keep i'll keep that to myself okay so that's ridiculous okay so moving on that's amazing i, I i'm not gonna you know what i'm not even gonna go down the aaron sorkin rabbit hole thing I'm, i was gonna ask you did you learn anything on the sixth and seventh time and then we're gonna have eric holmes talk about 30 minutes about aaron sorkin but we had <laughs> the cool thing is we had eric holmes really talk about and expound and elaborate on his love for david mamet all three of us really love that we reviewed red belt and house of remember i always think house of cards as soon as you put that little inception thing in, on my head one of you guys you said i was called house of cards house of games we did house of games and red belt for our david mamet episode our spotlight at the end of that episode i specifically said you guys have to see the winslow boy it is strong david mamet stuff i i remember really loving the film so that was actually a halfway blind assertion on my part because I haven't seen that movie in ages. <laughs> I just remember it being a fantastic film. Oh, okay. Okay, Bruce Let's Perky. Just, we'll start with this. You can't say The Winslow Boy without saying slow. This movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead, Bruce. Um, I, I, as I was watching this, I mean, I guess this movie's just not for me. It's not bad, but this just wasn't what was interesting me it um it reminds me of david mamet's version of the straight story like he got dared to do like a period like parlor drama and it's very much i I think it's based on a play i assume uh like a lot of his stuff is okay Um, but do you like parlor dramas sometimes i do fair enough it just depends um you know i mean you could say that Portrait of Lady on Fire, or those kind of movies are also kind of in that category. And I love that movie. But this, I, this, I understood what it was doing. I understood the stakes. The whole idea is that the, the, the Winslow boy, their son, gets kicked out of the Naval Academy because he's accused or convicted, I guess, by the Naval Academy of theft of this kind of like a money order or something. He comes home and the dad says, you know, tell me the truth and I'll believe you. If you don't, you know, I'll be upset. He tells him he didn't do it. And then the dad is like, we're going to defend him to the ends of the earth. And that's kind of the basic concept of this story is meeting all the different Winslow family members and the lawyers and all the people that are involved in basically what becomes kind of a cause celeb kind of becomes the, I don't know, the celebrity trial of the day. And this is like what, 18 late mid 1800s so okay. everything's by newspapers and flyers and, and stuff like that so all that stuff was kind of interesting but it was it was a rough one for me i i had a hard time <laughs> really sticking with it because i i just didn't have enough to hang my hat on here the acting was great the dialogue as always with mammoth was good but the com- story itself was just not for me compelling enough and that's just that's me you know, this sounds like a two star movie, Bruce Parkey. No, I would say it's right in the middle, two and a half, three stars. I mean, it's not like I said, it's it's got a lot going for it. And if this is kind of your more your like Gosford Park, if all that kind of stuff is kind of your style of movie, you're going to love it. I mean, it's really well done for what it is. But for me, like like there's kind of hints of a romance. There's hints of the the main uh, one of the best character. I thought the father played by Nigel Hawthorne was amazing. And Rebecca Pigeon's character, who is the daughter was really good. She's kind of like the de facto star of this. And she was kind of like suffragette, uh, independent woman of the time. And I thought her story was the compelling story. And I just really wanted to be, I wanted to see her life. 
really. I honestly didn't care about the trial so much. I understood the implications of it and the idea of, you know, the morality of defending somebody's honor and the, you know, right over what maybe is reasonable and all that kind of stuff. But her story of a woman in that era, I would have just followed her. I would have followed her for two hours. Is this the weakest David Mamet film you've seen? Hmm. I'm trying to think. Um, maybe I'm trying to think of all the, I mean, there's so much mammoths put his name to, you know, as far as a writer and, and, you know, screenplays and stuff, you know, there might be something in there that I would have lower. I, I, but for me, it's like I said, it's not, it's not my cup of tea. Literally, my cup of tea. Literally, see Eric Holmes. What do you? I mean, you haven't seen it yet. Maybe one day you're you're such a, you're such a mammoth guy. Maybe one day you might give the Winslow boy a shot. So, yeah, it won't be it won't be next week because next week is uh, very special. Spooky. It's spooky times. Yeah, next week <laughs> is next week is Eric Holmes's and Bruce Perky's week. Definitely their week. I'm just gonna but, shut up that episode. But the week after that, might have some Winslow boy. Might even have some Spartan. We'll see. We'll see what oh, happens. Oh, I like that. I like that very much. Well, I want to watch Spartan. So I haven't seen happened. Spartan yet. Yeah, I want to watch Spartan for sure. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll rewatch Spartan. We can, we'll do Spartan in a couple of weeks. Speaking in a couple of weeks, do Bruce Perky? Do you have something to say at all? For do you have a teaser for next week? What we're going to do for a director spotlight? Or are you still are you still weighing? No, I know what we're going to do. If you want me to tell you now, I can tell you now. Yeah, well, let's do it. We're going to tell our listeners right now because to tease for next week. Yeah, Yeah, so we're going to do a deep dive. Every other week we do a deep dive on a director. We've been kind of doing really heady, artistic, deep stuff lately. So I thought I'd kind of lighten it up. And, you know, the week we're going to do it, it's pretty much the week of Halloween. So I kind of keep it in that vibe. And I thought, who is awesome, really fun, crowd-pleasing, interesting, a great filmmaker, and somebody we haven't talked about yet. And somebody who I think, even though he's somewhat of a household name, is also, I think, underrated, I think, a fair amount. Oh, Anderson and Cowan. We're doing groupers. Anderson Cowan's <laughs> one movie. <laughs> and all of his shorts. No. Uh, we're going to do... Craig's, Craig's waiting. I don't... I, Eric's yeah, waiting. I have a feeling. Oh, yeah. What do you think it is, Greg? No, no. You just don't... Whatever you do, don't say Joe Dante because then that you'd have to force me to watch Gremlins. Okay, don't. Joe Dante. <laughs> you son of a... You son of a okay, you son of a bitch. I can't believe you did that to me. You guys... That is so horrible. Listeners, okay, here's the thing. Okay, <laughs> okay here's the thing. Okay. Eric Holmes is a good friend. He's told, I've known him for what, four or five years. He's always, I've always known that he, lo- he loves Gremlins. I, I have Scalp Hunters back there. I still haven't seen the Scalp Hunters. I've seen a little bit of it. I have not seen Gremlins for some freaking reason. I don't know why. I've actually interviewed Joe Dante. And one of the, well, you guys have listened to it. A very short interview. As always, a great guy, nice guy. And I had to actually admit, he was surprised that I had not seen the burbs when I interviewed him. And I just had, did not have the guts. I don't have guts anyway, but I didn't have the guts to actually tell him the whole gremlin, gremlin thing. So I guess in a way, F you, Bruce, but I actually thank you. <laughs> You're actually making me eat my medicine, you know, take my medicine. <laughs> I figured, I figured, you know, this way, Eric's, Eric's kind of off the hook. But I can be the bad guy. So it's good cop, bad, bad cop. Um, so we're going to be watching Gremlins. And okay. we're going to be watching uh, Matinee. If you've never seen Matinee before. I love Matinee. I have love you? Matinee. I, I have seen Matinee. I have seen Matinee. I actually did the interviews for Matinee. I, I didn't interview. No, no, no. I, I did the movie review for Matinee. And I, I know it came out on Shout Factory several years back. That's a great Dante film. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited. And then, you know, uh, since... 
you know, Eric Holmes is such the Dante fan. This is such a sneaky deaky round the back. I don't know. This is such a Winslow boy thing to do. Bruce Perky with the, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Bruce Perky. I know what he's doing. He's watching the movie. He goes, freaking Greg made me watch a stupid parlor drama. I'm going to Joe Dante. Him <laughs> no, this no, this was planned. I talked to Eric about this last week. So this is already wow. planned out. Wow. Yeah, I actually brought it, I brought it to Eric and I said, Eric, am I stealing your thunder or are you okay with it? And he's like, yeah, cool with it. Let's do it. <laughs> I, I'm never going to say no to Gremlins or just Joe Dante in general. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Maybe, you know what? I, I think, okay. So listeners next week, Bruce Perky is spearheading the Joe Dante director spotlight. We will be covering matinee and Gremlins, by the way, trivia. It is Eric Holmes's favorite film of all time. Am I wrong on this, Eric Holmes or almost there? It, Yes, and it's also the greatest movie ever made. So there's more trivia for you. Everyone thinks it's like they say Shawshank Redemption, Godfather 2, Citizen Kane. Okay, Raising Kane or Citizen Kane? Raising Kane is up there. Raising (laughs) Kane is up there. The Gremlins stands at the top along with Gremlins 2. They are both the perfect movie in one. And And one last last thing, and obviously we can go along for this to our actual show, but uh, one thing I think you always about Joe Dante is that his movies are just fun to watch, but they're also so full of movie love. Like there are so much others movies that he loves in his movies that I think there's a lot to be had there by anyone. So hop on the Joe Dante train. Yes. So I'm excited for Joe Dante. And like all of us, and like you listeners, Dante, like Scorsese, uh, Martin Scorsese and Peter Bogdanovich, Joe Dante is the hugest of huge movie buffs. So yeah. it's going to be great to talk about Joe Dante. And yeah, so it's going to be kind of a sort of a family episode. I, we, you know, like we did Brian De Palma, you know, and I guess Satoshi Khan's is now part of your family, Bruce Perky, because you're so obsessed with his stuff. It's amazing. So, it. all right. Wow. That, that just threw me for a loop. That really, <laughs> you guys were, were waiting for me to step on that landmine. I just have an image of a certain movie that we're going to talk about regarding, regarding that image, but okay. So I guess we're no more rewinds, right? We have, are we done with the rewinds? Cause we'll save that other rewind. I know you saw something that Eric Holmes loves. Um, I think, did you want to mention the freaking, we'll do the freaking thing for next week. Um, no, we're doing that as part of our actual movies. We're yeah, okay. I, I, oh. I had a, uh, I, I might as well just mention this. I uh, was going to rewind black cat and I did see the black cat but it was a 1941 version also starring Bela Lugosi. So it wasn't actually the one that Bruce Perky. So I'm going to say that I'm going to say that for next week uh, where we got uh, the the actual rewind of the black cat and the black cat I already saw and probably another movie called the black cat. It'll be a very, it'll be a very black cat episode, I guess. Black caddy. I'm going to cop one second. Okay. So Halloween next up next week, Joe Dante next week, this week. Now, it's all about the here and now. It's all about the here and now. That's a little little hint regarding Synchronic because that's a little bit part of the themes behind Synchronic. By the way, again, it, it hits theaters Friday and drive-in theaters on Friday as well. Now, Synchronic, it's directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Before we get into the actual movie, are you guys fans of their work? Can either of you talk to some of what they've done and your thoughts on them? Well, the, yep. the only thing I knew of theirs was The Endless. A friend of mine saw that movie at the Telluride Horror Film Festival and was telling me about it. So I was like excited about it for like about a year or two before it actually came out. And then I finally saw it and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then I just, William Lindis hit me up the other day asking about Synchronic and we were talking about that and The Endless. And Endless I liked, I didn't love it, but it was interesting enough that um, knowing they did Synchronic, I was pretty 
excited to see what that was about. But I had no idea that The Endless was a sequel. I guess the first one's called Spring. or, or um, first Actually, it's called Resolution. Resolution. Yeah, Resolution. Resolution, so, Resolution okay. and The Endless have direct connections. Okay. Spring, well, I've seen The Endless too. Spring, I actually literally watched before the show today because I had not seen Spring forever and I wanted to see Spring. So I saw Spring. Uh, Spring has a very, very tiny relation to the other ones, but it, the story, the overall story doesn't relate to it. But it's I, I, amazing. Spring well, is Brett, probably my favorite of theirs. Yeah, William Linda said that The Endless was a sequel. And then I guess mm-hmm. I just saw the the cover for Spring and it's like, wow, that looks like the cover for Endless. That must be what the... What the uh, first one was but you said it's resolution resolution is our first movie and there are some things that directly get re-encountered in offhand ways in the endless so if you know about those when you see the endless you go back and you see it in resolution or vice versa you'll see what's going on there and there's a character that's mentioned in spring that is involved in those other ones but isn't really in spring 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 starts out in america but then 90 percent of it is in italy so it's its own story. And once again, Spring is fantastic. And I would say probably my favorite of all of their movies. It's really, really, really good. And only the other thing I'd say about these guys is their style isn't the same, but I feel like they're on the path to be kind of like a modern, as a cup, a pair, a duo, they're almost like becoming like a modern carpenter in the sense that they do high quality, really interesting concepts, low budget, but make every get everything out of their budgets and are constantly putting out creative and interesting content in the genre. I think if they keep on this path, they could be something really special. Okay, to endorse your comments, Bruce Perky, okay, I was on the Twitterverse and the director, Jordan Vought Roberts, V-O-G-T dash Roberts, he's directed The Kings of Summer back in 2013. He also directed Kong Skull Island in 2017. Okay, so he's a big time director okay and he's rumored he's announced to direct the upcoming metal gear solid okay he tweeted a couple days ago to the directors he said oh i by the way i'm late to the party but i did i finally saw spring and i was blown away by spring and again i've listened to to these guys on their podcast and they've had people just write to them and say oh by the way spring is my favorite movie of all time so that's before we get into synchronic Bruce, would you, is that a high recommend for people to watch Spring? Very high recommend. And just to you specifically, Greg, it is first and foremost a love story, but in the same sort of kind of twisted universe that you've experienced a little bit with their other stuff. And I won't tell you any more than that because there's a turn that that story takes at about the 35 minute mark that will be like, what? And then as it keeps going, it just, it, it's, it's amazing. It's really good. Eric Holmes, maybe that might be homework for me me and you, not to force, because we're going to be in the Dante universe next week, maybe in a couple of weeks or ne- next week, we'll, maybe we'll do a, do a spring thing together, me and you. Yeah, I, I mean, if it's as good as uh, Endless and Synchronic, I wouldn't call it homework. <laughs> okay. Fair you enough. Will, you'll, you'll love it. I guarantee yeah. it. At least for sure, I think Eric will. Greg, I think you will too. I think you'll both really like it. <laughs> very, very cool. Okay, so now, Synchronic, the meat. Plot summary, two New Orleans paramedics their lives are, I'm reading from IMDb, they are ripped apart after they encounter a series of horrific deaths linked to a designer drug with bizarre 
otherworldly effects. Now, here's the thing. The two New Orleans paramedics, we were talking about these directors, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. They are working in an indie space with, with maybe no-name actors or unknown actors. Here, here's the thing. They have a little bit more of a budget. This movie's being released by Wellgo USA Entertainment. We all know Wellgo, Wellgo USA. They release some really interesting stuff, okay? So the main par- the, mar- the paramedics, Dennis is played by Jamie Dornan from Fifty Shades of Grey, which I don't think any of us have seen. Have you seen it, Eric, Bruce? Yeah. Oh, you've I, seen well, it? I saw, I saw the first one. Okay, fair it enough. Was, it the, was for the people it was for. I'm not one of them. The thing you should see, if you want to see Jamie Dornan in something great, there's a limited British series called The Fall that oh, he plays right. in. And he's, he's very good. Very good in that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Jamie Jordan, he's Dennis. He's Dennis is a paramedic. He he has a wife. He has it's, he has an 18 year old daughter and he has a newborn baby with his wife. So they're and they're having their share of marital problems and and whatnot. Steve is played by Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie. Yeah. So Steve is their best friends and their paramedics. The thing with Steve is he's sort of a one night stand guy. He lives a fancy free and carefree life. He likes maybe his whiskey his alcohol, and his women. He goes to strip clubs now, now and again. He's just living the sort of, if you're a guy, in guy speak, living the life of Riley. At least that's what Dennis, his best buddy, thinks. But, you know, the, 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 the roles are flipped. Steve, the, the womanizer, played by Anthony Mackie, he sort of wants that stability that Dennis has. And Dennis, who has too much stability, sort of wants the freewheeling, crazy life of Steve. Now, a big chunk of the movie really centers on their interplay and them going to these different locations where these sequences where they they see people in various states of health distress it's not these are not normal calls some of them appear like mummified corpses some of them (laughs) are are stabbed by some kind of uh, historical sword from way back when and I, the only thing I'm going to say about this movie is their synchronic is a drug. Bruce, what, what kind of, how would you describe it? You had a really good way of describing the drug. I, I think in the movie, they describe it as a synthetic, like a designer version of ayahuasca, which of course is supposed to, you know, put you into altered consciousnesses and states and realities and stuff. So. Okay. Now this is a spoiler free review. And I, I talked to the guys before this. And the reason why is I, I was about, maybe 30 to 35 to 45 minutes into the movie. And there's something that happens regarding the drug and where it takes you and all that stuff. Okay. So the fact that I actually knew what was going to happen because I was reading other reviews that says exactly what happens. I think that's a total spoiler. And I would have really, I really enjoyed this movie. I love this movie. I just felt that I actually read that spoiler when I was actually at the 40 to 45 minute mark, I was really enjoying mm. where it went. And yeah, just, I ended up really, really loving this movie. I can't wait to watch some of their other films. I thought Jamie Dornan was fantastic in this movie as they were both very good. Anthony Mackie's from New Orleans. So yeah. you could really feel that he put his heart and soul into this and he was part of the fabric of that environment. And Dornan was perfect as that sort of, guy who just doesn't want to be there he's only he's only there because he has a best bud in steve and he's he just sort of wants a way out of his life and maybe that's he's just maybe suffering a little bit bit of a midlife crisis so eric holmes i want to i'm going to start with you regarding synchronic were you blown away by this film did you have problems what did you overall think of this 96 minute film well, I, I think I uh, messaged you guys right when I put it on in the first two minutes. I was just like, 
what the hell is this? <laughs> I had to pause it. I, you know, message you guys in like two minutes in and I'm already intrigued and it didn't really let up. Normally I don't care about spoilers and this isn't to say there's like a big twist ending. If that's, you know, it's not like that. It's kind of the spoiler is kind of the point of the movie, but yeah, this is definitely a movie. The less you know about it, the, cause I didn't know anything about it going in other than who, who made it. I think Eric, I think we froze Eric. Uh, we froze Eric. Okay. <laughs> Eric, we froze you. Okay, wait, hold oh. on. Eric, you back? You back. You froze. You froze for a second. So go ahead. Okay. You're back. You're back. Yeah. yeah gotcha. Okay. Where where did I cut out at? You cut out at, um, you were impressed by the first two minutes and oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw the first two minutes was impressed and to Grace's point, I don't usually get too uptight about spoilers, but this one I knew almost nothing about it other than who did it going in. And it was really cool just kind of watching it unfold because I didn't quite understand what was going on. And then as they reveal things, I'm like, Oh, this is kind of cool. So it was kind of a, it was kind of a fun mystery to kind of unravel as the movie was going. And I was definitely on the edge of my seat, just like, oh, and then what happens? And then what happens? Ooh, that's cool. Ooh, what does that mean? Ooh, this is neat. And so, yeah, I, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I, I mentioned to you guys off air that there was one part that kind of bugged me, but it was so tiny and not worth mentioning and mentioning it would give away things. So I won't, but I mean, that part was just kind of a nitpick anyway. Overall, this movie, I liked it a lot, quite a bit. Yeah. Before we get to you, Bruce, I, my, my final summation on this, I, I really enjoyed it. Loved it. Can't wait to see again. Can't wait to see some other other works. My, I have a little bit of a nitpick and my, my nitpick is I'm, I'm a sucker for home run endings. Okay. And just endings that just pack a wall up. And to me, the ending of Synchronic, it was logical. And I'm not, I don't want to spoil anything, but I, I wasn't disappointed by the ending, but I was expecting a little bit more of a lightning, just blow me the F away type of ending. But that's, again, a little bit of a nitpick. It's still an excellent film. But if I was going to nitpick that one, it, and I don't know how to change it. I don't know how to change it. I also loved how the movie hardly had any music in it in a lot of hmm. sense they just let the scenes play out and i love that about synchronic as well so high recommendation bruce perky your thoughts i'm right with both of you i, I really like this movie a lot um one thing that i can say just consistently throughout their movies and this is no exception is they are for for small movies as far as like budget and everything they are always going for big ideas but they're also always keeping it almost equally balanced with really strong character arcs like this movie has two strong characters you know what they're doing and you're you're invested in the characters and it lets you kind of go with some of the bigger ideas that are here and i feel like it grounds it and gives it it gives it a lot more impact than a a bigger movie could have that was like this you know i can imagine a bigger movie like this being a lot flashier with some of the things that happen, but losing the characters a lot more. And here, I think there's a really good balance. And that's something I've seen throughout all of their movies, where all of their movies have some sort of fantastical element. And they all also have very, very grounded human stories at the core of it. So I, I really appreciate that in this movie quite a bit as well. And just the the um, the creative creativity of it. It's really interesting. I mean, it's almost two movies. We're not going to talk about what the two movies are. A hundred percent. Two movies. It's like two movies. But the first part of the movie before the, whatever we want to call it, the twist or whatever, just some of those long 
sort of tracking, not tracking, I don't know if I'm using the right term, those long shots as they enter one of the scenes of Mayhem. There's yeah. two or three of those. And each one of them is like a little mystery unfolding. And it's kind of mesmerizing as you're coming into the scene and then you see a person who's in some sort of distress and you're like, what's happening? What, what is that? Why, why is there a doorknob next to that person? You know, just stuff like that. Uh, it, it gives you that really mysterious and it's just fascinating, I think. You know, there is a sequence where, and these guys are genius. I, I can't believe they, there's a sequence between the main characters, Dennis and Steve, they're, they're mm-hmm. talking. I'm not going to say what's going on, but they're, they're talking and they're talking about their lives. And under lesser hands, I would think it would be just one big, okay, okay. This is a shortcut exposition dump. They have to explain everything what's going on and it's going to be really boring. But the way the director set it up, this ex, this, and you guys know what I'm talking about, this long exposition dump where they're getting, they're telling each other secrets and what they know about each other. It starts off with a, a rote explaining the whole story, which I was rolling my eyes into something fascinating. You get to really, it evolves into something and then it goes right into, <laughs> the exposition, exposition goes right into the meat of the story. And I go, wow, I, yeah. I don't see that. I don't see that often. So I, I, I just thought, I really it really felt that they, they weren't copying other filmmakers and they weren't playing homage. It just seems like they're doing their own self-contained universe, which I'm talking out of my, you know what, you probably can attest to that, right? Bruce from watching all of their yeah. movies and watching what, what is it? Spring twice. You've seen that. So spring. Um, yeah. I, I think that what you feel is that even if the stories aren't connected or the same stories, there's a tone and there's a style because they do the writing, they do the cinematography. Most of the cinematography is theirs. The music, a lot of times they're doing, they're writing the scripts, they're directing it. So it really gives it a very, it really, they really own the feel of the movie. And I think that kind of, that's what that Carpenter thing I was talking about. Like, especially when you watch Carpenter all through the 80s and most of the 90s, you can tell it's a Carpenter movie. Even if the movie is a totally different movie, you're going from the thing to the fog to whatever. They all feel like Carpenter. It, it kind of works like that, I feel like. You know you're in one of their movies like when you're in it. So, Eric, would you want to see these guys get a $100 million movie? Like mm-hmm. as far as... Oh, you as, would... as long as it's not Spider-Man or yeah. you know, whatever, or Avengers, I'm fine with it. Just give them a $30, a $30 million movie. That's good. Give them oh, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, there's so much I want to say about this movie. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I, I, I kind of almost wish we could do like a spoiler episode. Maybe uh, Andrew Martin and William Lindis is down for a two-peat of uh, I'm thinking of anything. I'm done with that. I'm, I'm down um, with that. Yeah, there's the, some things to talk the, about in here for sure. A lot. Uh, especially with, what the hell's the guy's name? The Steve? Steve. Or are uh, you talking about what, Anthony what, Mackie? The, the actor, yeah, Anthony Mackie. Uh-huh. There's bits with his character that had he been a white actor would not work. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's about as far as I can go by saying mm-hmm. it. And oh, to I get you. Uh, your, I get your you. point, Greg, your point about the ending, I think there's some stuff going on in the ending that leans more into what I'm hinting at <laughs> okay I'm, I, I'm, I'm gonna stop now because it, it it deals more in uh this deals more with the uh, spoiler talk on it but there's yeah they they do a lot of uh with uh anthony mackie's character that i you know quite frankly only works with with him as the as the uh, main character but yeah this this move is pretty fantastic it is yep. very fantastic i again another another nitpick and this is a compliment it's runs at 96 minutes this could have been a two and a half hour movie 
yeah. literally a two and a half hour movie because Bruce, you're mentioning it's two. It literally is two movies in one. You go when the when the twist happens, you go, "Holy, what's going on here?" The, a whole big chunk of it is a totally different movie, and then it gets yeah. So I can't wait to see some of their other works synchronic in theaters and drive-in. Drive-in theaters, theaters, Friday, October 23rd. We will be, I don't know, maybe we'll do it. We'll see if everyone's, uh, if William Linda's from Movie Bears Podcast, Andrew Martin, Andrew watches movies, maybe whenever they get around to see it, maybe we'll all do a podcast, podcast power episode to uh, talk about the wonders of Synchronic. And down the road, Eric, I can't wait till you and I watch Spring. I think, I think this is one of those movies that I'm just going to be blown away by. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know why you were saying, Oh, Greg, you might like it, you know, and then you mentioned the word romantic because I, 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 I know nothing about romance or love. So how dare you again? First Joe Dante and you throw me with a lot my romantic thing. I say, I'm just, I can't even say row, I, row, row, row your boat, but not be romantic. But Synchronic is a beautiful, amazing film. Check it out, guys. Tell us what you think. Now, we're going to go first with, speaking of which, Bruce Perky. Oh, actually not you because you did Whistle Boy, Eric Holmes. Sorry, Eric Holmes, what's your first pick? First one is Vincenti Minnelli movie from 1952. Vicente Minnelli, or Vicente, Vicente, Vicente? Vicente. I think it's Vicente. What do you think, Bruce? Vicente Uh, or Vicente? Vicente? Directed G. Machete? (laughs) Machete? And this one's Machete Minnelli. Um, It's uh, starring Kirk Douglas and Lana Turner. And it's called The Bad and the Beautiful. Oh, yeah. um, oh, you want to try, try, you're just like handling the, the big Kirk Douglas film. That's, that's like, that's a big one. That's a big movie to take. Yeah, this, this movie is, oh, God, this movie's so good. I, I, I keep coming across <laughs> these Kirk Douglas movies, and I don't know why I watch them, because The Bad and the Beautiful, like the title doesn't do anything for me, but I was like, oh, it's Kirk Douglas. I'm sure he's made a bad movie, and one of these days I'm going to find him. This wasn't it. Uh, this one was pretty fantastic. Uh, you have a, uh, a producer or like a film executive sits down, an actress, a director, and a writer. And uh, they're, he, uh, they're talking to him about this guy who's played by Kirk Douglas. We haven't seen him yet. Uh, this guy, Jonathan Shields. And uh, they hear the name and they just, they stop listening. They hang up the phone. They don't take the calls. They w- turn around, walk the other way. And the, the producer guy finally gets all three of them in a room. And he says, look, I know that uh, I know that John Shields screwed you all over something fierce and uh, you don't want to work with them again. I completely understand. And they're like, do you? It's like, yeah, well, he's going to be on the phone here in a couple minutes. And he's going to ask you to do this movie with him. And I'd like you to give an answer while he's on the phone. And so they start with the uh, start with the director and they do a flashback and they show him and Kirk Douglas, John, Jonathan Shields and their relationship, how they came to know each other and slowly how he ended up fucking him over. Then they go with the actress, back that up. Same deal. Show her life with Jonathan Shields and then how he ended up fucking her over. And then the same deal with the writer. And that that's pretty much the whole uh, gist of the story or the framework of the story. And it's, uh, I think it's about two hours long and it feels like it's about a half hour long and it just, well, it just moves. Well, look, okay. Before you started this, okay. You've been on a Kirk Douglas kick, not recently, just for a long time, maybe yeah. months on end. And 
you are, did you already know that this is considered one of Kirk Douglas's top films? No, I I never even heard of it until I saw it. That's amazing. Yeah, no, no, it's considered like you know. I, I guess it says yeah, Vincente Minnelli. And uh, have you seen this, Bruce? Have you seen the the Bad and the Beautiful? I don't think so. No. Yeah, yeah Lana doesn't. No. No, Lana Turner. Do you, so Lana Turner. Did you like Lana? Was was it Kirk Douglas's movie or were, were the performances all all great, Eric? In this movie, did you love the? What did you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. The 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 thing that struck me the most about this movie is the way the camera moves. Like the camera moves like a Paul Thomas Anderson movie or like a David Fincher movie at, at times. It's just, it's just constantly moving and it, it moves in a way that propels the story. So it's not super flashy camera moves, but it's, it's, they're real subtle. But then like you take a step back and it's like, oh, wow, they're really doing some really cool stuff there. Wow. Look at this. The, you mentioned the cinematographer, Eric, Robert Surtees, never heard of the guy, Robert Surtees. I'm not really good with my cinematographers, guys, but he's won three Oscars. Check this out. A Star is Born, 1976. The Sting, 1973. And then he also did The Last Picture Show, 1971. Mm-hmm. Summer of 42, 1971. I got to see that. That's That really speaks to our age, Bruce Perky, uh, Summer of 42. I think with Jennifer O'Neill, The Graduate, The Third oh, Day. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, he's had PT-109, Mutiny on the Bounty. So, Ben-Hur. So, to your point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, good. There you, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this is, I, yeah, I, I had no idea that it was as uh, revered as it was. I've ne- and which makes me even more surprised that I never even heard of it until now. But yeah, this is a fantastic movie, and uh, this uh, continues my quest trying to find a Kirk Douglas movie that sucks. And if you know one that sucks, don't let me know. Don't spoil it for me because I want to <laughs> find it on my own. But uh, yeah, I just keep coming across Kirk Douglas movies I've never seen, and then when I watch them, I'm like, wow, that was really good. And then I watch another one. I'm like, wow, that one's really good. And then, like every time I leave a Kirk Douglas movie, I just get like chills of how yeah. fantastic it is. That is so cool. You know what? Bruce Perky, I hope uh, Eric Holmes not listening to this. I might, I might actually, uh, I might have a Kirk Douglas movie that I might just blind send Eric Holmes because I still haven't seen Scalp Hunters, Rafifi and, and uh, Gremlins. I might, so I, might, good. I might send you, you know what? I, I think, I'm going to, I'm going to see, I'm going to message you. I'm going to look for a Kirk Douglas movie that I haven't seen that I would love to, for you to watch. And maybe I'll, we'll do a DVD. By the way, speaking of which props to Joseph Bridges, he received the, our DVD letter chain. Eric Holmes, can you give us an update on how, what happened to intensity? Yes. Uh, I, I believe we got it either today or yesterday. And he, on the cinematics, he posted a picture and then I, I posted uh, one as well. And well, let me just uh, go ahead and vamp for a second as I pull this up. Vamp is but, vamp uh, as much as you want. <laughs> That's all you do, right? Right, Bruce? He, all he does is vamp. Vamping all, all the time. He's, you know what? Bruce Perky, I think there's a movie called Vamp. I remember a movie called there Vamp. Is. With, uh, yeah, with, um, oh, <laughs> my gosh. What's, what's her time. name? Um, the uh, singer that was in uh, Conan the Destroyer. Uh, Grace Jones. Name? Grace Jones, yeah. Oh, vamp. That's a real movie. That's a real yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. But. Okay, while I'm vamp, I'm going to vamp for you, Eric. Uh, you know who produced The Bad and the Beautiful? It's, it's, since we're old, Eric Holmes, I think Bruce Perky, might, he, Bruce Perky and I might bond on this. John, John Houseman. John Houseman. From The Paper Chase. Produced the, paper chase, yes. the Bad and the Beautiful. And, of course, A Ghost Story. Or a Ghost Story, yeah. And, and of course... Ghost Story with Fred Astaire. Yeah, so very cool. See, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure you love Ghost Story. And then, for me, I remember John Houseman for his work as... I, I'm saying this because John Houseman, you know, he was part of the whole 
you know, Orson Welles troop and all that stuff. He also, I remember him also from the 1982 to 1987 series Silver Spoons. He played Grandpa Stratton on mm, Silver yes. Spoons. Yeah, I love I Silver believe uh, Vincenti Minnelli, didn't, didn't he direct the Paper Chase as well? Oh, uh, I, I just remember seeing that when I was looking up at the other movies he directed. Oh, that's I remember very Gigi because cool it's an easy name to remember. And then I, okay. I, I I'll remember look, the I'll paper chase. I'll look that up. But so, where did you find this? The the bad and the beautiful. You found this on YouTube, or the, how did you... looking up old ass movies on YouTube and oh, it came right? up, okay. and I was like, oh, Kirk Douglas is in it. I'll watch it. The director for the paper chase is James Bridges. James Bridges. Oh, yeah. Yes. Never. Oh, never. Okay, so uh, you that, gonna... that name will come up later on as well. <laughs> Are you serious? Well, yeah. That's that, that, that 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 that's where I saw the. That's where I saw the. <laughs> Um, but speaking of Bridges, Joseph Bridges, uh, he posted the uh, thing of intensity next to his uh, Maltese Falcon and uh, asked him what he thought. Asked him what he thought of intensity. He says the first half was pretty good. Second half meandered and just circles around itself too much. Overall, decent movie with some good scenes. Six out of nine. Actually, six out of ten. But <laughs> six, out, six out of ten. Put respect on Joseph Bridges' name. Six out yes. of ten. <laughs> yeah, six out of ten. And I believe I'm not sure, but I believe we already sent it out to someone else. So hopefully, yeah, yeah this, I believe this is already heading towards its uh, second person. So very this, cool. I'm, this is pretty exciting, guys. Yeah, that is pretty That's exciting. A DVD letter chain. That is a very magnanimous, generous thing uh, for Eric Holmes to do. And thank you so much, Joseph Bridges, for being part of our cinematics. Facebook group and just being our friend and talking cinema with us. Bruce Porky. Uh, okay. So anything about the bad and the beautiful? Is that, are, you, are you done? Eric Holmes. About the I, bad. I would say uh, since apparently everyone else already knows about this movie, they already no, know how that's wonderful it. it is. But if you've not heard of the bad and the beautiful, even though the name sucks, watch that movie anyway, because it is top shelf Kirk Douglas, which is saying st- something because everything I've seen of his so far has been top shelf. And you've just decided randomly to to choose Kirk Douglas. Like, you, did you just watch Ace in the Hole one day and you said, "Oh, I got to watch all his movies"? Or it started with because uh, I'd never seen Paths of Glory or Ace in the Hole, and I happened to pick both those up and did a back to back of those. And I'm like, "Wow!" And then I put in Ace of the, I put in Paths of Glory, and I'm like, "Wow, this movie's fantastic." That might that or The Killing might be my favorite Kubrick movie. And then I saw it, I was like, "Well, I got Ace in the Hole. I better watch it." And I don't know how it's gonna. I don't know how it's going to stack up to uh, Paths of Glory. And then I put an ace in the hole. I'm like, holy shit, this thing's fucking awesome, too. <laughs> so, uh, and then uh, just kind of, you know, been slowly, slowly getting through them. I, I haven't really binged a bunch of Kirk Douglas, but I've been slowly going through them. Lonely Out of the Brave was another uh, one that was kind of a surprise to me. And, oh, uh, I heard. I, I Okay, sorry, Bruce, what we're going on with the Kirk Douglas thing. This is, by the way, we're doing a Kirk Douglas spotlight here on Find Your Film this week. <laughs> I remember when I was a teenager, I was really into Kirk Douglas. I read his autobiography, The uh, Ragman Son, The Ragman Son, and a uh, very good biography. And he said, if I recall, that Lonely Are the Brave is one of his favorite performances. Eric Holmes, does, could you see that? Is it one of his, do you, because do you, he really, felt a lot of attachment to that movie i don't know why yeah. i just remember him saying that he said it's one of his favorites i yeah i could see that i, I kind of like his uh performance a little better in the bad and the beautiful but i mean it's he, he's great in everything so it's it's hard to pick a pick a best one air quotes but uh yeah that's he's look if you like uh the first blood the first rambo movie it 
apparently borrows a lot from Lonely of the Brave, at least from what I can tell, because the, the movies are very similar to each other. Okay, before we get to you, Bruce Perky, uh, for some reason, Bruce and I, we loved giving Eric Holmes homework. And I, I, actually, I actually realized why we love giving him homework. It's because when we used to be called Movie Mainline in the first uh, stages of Find Your Film, Eric Holmes was just really doing a lot of rewinds and doing a lot of really interesting deep dives on movies that maybe we wouldn't have ever thought about. And most recently, he gave us the whole thing with Elise Guy Blaché. That's like a home, mm-hmm. home run thing that I, I will never, ever forget. But I'm going to give you a, a homework that you're going to have to do within the next couple months or at least in, in, as soon as I as soon as I watch Gremlins and Rosemary's Baby folks <laughs> and Uncle Peckerhead all bets are off okay but two weeks in another town made in 1962 it's directed by Vincenti Minnelli and the star, it stars Kirk Douglas Edward G. Robinson Edward G. Robinson and Sid Charisse so two weeks in another town I don't know it's considered not as great as the bad and the beautiful but I hear two weeks in another town is an underrated Kirk Douglas film it's really not widely known and it'll be interesting for you specifically because it reteams Manelli and Douglas heads up yeah I'm down with that oh, okay so. the the dissertation on Kirk Douglas is over okay <laughs> what you got uh, my first one is a documentary. It's the only documentary I have this week. It is from 2020. It is on Netflix. It is called Dick Johnson is Dead. I hear a lot um, about this. I hear a lot about this. It is directed by uh, Kirsten Johnson, who is Dick Johnson's daughter. Right. Uh, she is, um, and I should have looked it up before I came in here, and she's done a ton of documentaries. Um, but she... Her, her dad is just retiring, basically, when she starts filming this. Uh, her mom has already passed away. Her mom passed away from Alzheimer's. And she discovered, after her mom passed away, like, some of the only footage she had of her mom was after she was pretty far down the line in dementia. So that really made her sad, you know, being a documentary filmmaker, that she didn't have footage of her mom when she was in her, you know, her prime, in her best days. So she thought, I'm going to start filming my dad now because he's starting to have the first hints that he's probably going to be suffering from Alzheimer's as well. He's, uh, you know, he's retiring from his job as a psychiatrist. And what he does is he agrees to be part of this project with her where he can basically be filmed from the point where he's fine, basically on the starting to show a little bit of cracks to whenever the twist is throughout this, there are going to be just random stagings of his death in different ways. So she might be interviewing him and then all of a sudden he'll like, fall down the stairs and be a bloody heaping mess on the ground. And he's partaking in this as well for fun. (laughs) So randomly (laughs) interspersed throughout this movie, there will be moments where he will randomly die some way. And this is her actual dad who is actually. (laughs) That's funny. I'm sorry, Bruce. I'm going to just step on your review right now. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. And then, I just wanted to say one thing we all three of us, shame on us that we forgot to mention regarding Synchronic. I'm not a PR person for Synchronic. Synchronic mm-hmm. is very funny. We forgot to mm-hmm. point that out. There are points in that that's fu- funny. But, but no, speaking of the, of the funny, do you think that really works with the tone of this, this doc? It's very interesting because what she does here is she not only plays with the idea of kind of the reality of documentaries, like there's always that question of what is staged and wasn't staged and she kind of gets that right out of the way by just throwing absolutely staged events in there plus it just becomes a really interesting juxtaposition of kind of having fun and almost like a gallows humor to the inevitable that they both know is coming 
and he's part of that. But then there's a point in the, it, this goes on for like a year or so. I'm not going to say how this all plays out, but there's a point where he starts to have a little more trouble differentiating the reality. And it start to actually becomes a question on whether she is doing anything ethical anymore. And she questions that because if he's actually somewhat believing the stuff that's happening to him, then are you torturing him by doing this? It's a really interesting documentary and it goes places you're not quite ex- exactly um, expecting. And it deals with, you know, aging and, and death and, you know, just what it means to get, dementia and it does in a way that's not super super duper depressing like you would expect it to be but also it doesn't shy away from some of the realities as well it i say it's well worth your time if you're looking for something a little more unorthodox on that sort of subject matter i think you could really enjoy it and i would say it ends in a way that you are not expecting wow okay okay is it resonant i think it is yeah i think it is I think, and depending on what experiences you've had in your life with your family members or your parents or, you know, your grandparents, it can be kind of cathartic, I think, for some people, you know? So, well, worth checking out. Thank you, Bruce Perky, for recommending this. And I apologize. I should be watching this movie because... <laughs> Here comes the screener. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Here comes the screen. I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, folks. That that bit is is old, and I and, and like an idiot who has no sense of humor. I I use that bit on a other podcast, cinematics. It's actually not a bit. It's actually reality. Bruce is re- referring to. There's thousands. I I literally have about a hundred thousand. It's it's increased. I have a hundred thousand emails that of movies that I haven't actually opened, and the only way I can open them is if I talk to Anderson Cowan for cinematics. Um. Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky. Whenever they mention movies that I I don't know, I look on, up on the Gmail and realize I actually should have covered this movie several weeks ago. I'm sure Dick Johnson is dead is one of those movies. I should have opened the email. And the reason why I'm saying this is, you know, in our in our lifetime, I'm sure there are movies like when I say Eric Holmes, what's the one movie, one or two movies you're gonna recommend to people that they have to watch? One of them is going to be probably a big long. The Death of Dick Long, very good. And then probably the other one is Gremlins. I'm sure you have another one as well. By the way, Death of Dick Long is amazing. I think we sh- – are we going to mention something about that this week? Or about Don't Die? Are we going to do that? Good. We could, yeah. Okay, we're going to mention about because Dick Johnson is dead. It, it kind of dovetails into the death of <laughs> – all these death things, okay? We're going to talk about that in a second. I'm going to get to it. We're going to get to Don't Die. A lot of death stuff. Bruce Perky, I'm sure there's one one or two movies you'd recommend. Probably just right off the top of your head. What is it that people must see? What? Right off the Harold top of your head. Harold and Maude. Which one? Harold and Maude. Harold and Maude. Okay, Harold and Maude. I would probably say Raising Cain, but that's me being an idiot. But then I'd probably say Vertigo. Okay, so right up there, as far as top five movies that I would recommend, there's this movie in 2016, and this kind of breaks my heart that you actually reviewed this movie, Dick Johnson is Dead. Camera Person is a documentary that was released by in her. 2016. Yep. It was directed by Kirsten, jo- Kirsten Johnson, the director of the aforementioned Dick Johnson is Dead. Camera Person centers on Kirsten Johnson's life as a photographer, and it and it shows her this is such this was a criterion it's probably on criterion collection right now it is an amazing thing thing it shows her just a bunch of footage that really has seemingly has no rhyme or reason like bruce was saying her mother is prominently featured in camera person but it shows all these random shots and her interacting with people from all over the world and the reason why i broke my heart was i remember when anderson cowan reviewed it 
He thought it was just a bunch of images that were edited together for no rhyme or reason. He ended up really disliking camera person. And in Anderson Cowan's defense, for a lot of people, camera person is exactly that. One one hour and 42 minutes, just a string of images of just people talking and her with the camera and photographing people. Some people really do not like it. I was blown away by this movie. And Bruce, you've seen camera person as well? No, but I remember seeing that on there and I remember hearing about it and thinking to myself when I was watching this movie, oh, I need to make sure and go back and check that out. So I have to find my interview with Kirsten Johnson. It's probably on my iPhone somewhere, but we ended up speaking for about 40 minutes and I was telling her the, the footage regarding her mother is just is heartbreaking, but I highly recommend Camera Person. And Bruce, you have a good recommend on uh, Dick Johnson is Dead as well. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, Eric Holmes, we're continuing the death sequence. Don't die. Don't die, Eric Holmes. Don't yes. die. But I'll, what, what, I'll what is it about? To. It's going to happen yeah. eventually. You're going to try not to. But one of the reasons, one of the ways you're not going to die is by actually contributing to society and cinema. Can you tell us about this? Yeah, we had the uh, swear jar on uh, when we uh, guested on uh, cinematics, and I took that money. And Bruce, actually, uh, Bruce could probably speak on it more than I could because he's the one that brought it to me. And I figure I got the swear jar with all this money in it and nothing to do with it. And then Bruce uh, pointed me towards Don't Die, which has Virginia Newcomb. Yes. Is that the, mm-hmm. I, I yep. keep wanting to say Virginia Madsen and I know that's not right. <laughs> Virginia Newcomb, who is fantastic in Death of Dick Long. Oh, great. Yeah. I hope I said that right too. Death of Dick. Okay. There's so. <laughs> by the there's way, so the many... Death of Dick Long, by the way, the Death of Dick Long, I could, I'm going to plug that movie. We love that movie so much. I could see that. I, you know what? Chicago seven. Okay. I get you watching it seven times. I literally can watch a Death of Dick Long seven times. I love that movie. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Great, great film. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, Bruce pointed me towards that and they had a uh, a seed in Spark and I believe they're either very close to meeting their goal or- They just uh, made it today. They just made it. Oh, they did just did today? 100%. Yep. Yeah. And it's, uh, I don't know much about it other than that Virginia Newcomb was in it and Bruce hit me up. I'm like, good enough for me. And I uh, donated the swear jar to that. So it'll be fun to see how this movie comes about and- kind of looking forward to it yeah it's kind of like we have a we have a rooting interest in an upcoming movie to go kind of follow and track and see how it goes you never know maybe our mantra should be we should just completely support all the people involved with the death of dick long because yeah. that, movie, that movie's all the actors involved and the filmmakers and all that stuff so cool cool deal on don't die thank you bruce perky for and giving the news to us regarding about that seed and spark situation which made it's its goal, you said thirty thousand today, which was good. I think it was twenty thousand, but 20, yeah, that's their goal today. So cool. But I'm sure they would love to keep getting more. I'm sure they don't. I'm sure they'll run out really quite fast. So keep giving them money. So. Yes, yeah. yeah. Stretch goals are always usually stretch goals are usually a good thing for uh, movies that are trying to do the crowdfunding thing because uh, a lot of times they'll set their goal to something that they think they can reach, and then but that's not necessarily their budget. If that makes yeah. sense. Yep. Like yeah. they, they would set it for 20,000 because they think they can reach that. But hey, if they can make 50,000, that's even better because that's probably a lot closer to what they actually need. So yeah, yeah. If, you, if you got a couple bucks and you want to donate to a movie, donate to Don't Die. Yeah, and, donate to Don't Die on, on Seed and Spark. I'm just going, going to look right here on Seed and Spark if it's available right now. Is it still? Oh, 
Oh, by the time there, there's 14 hours left. So by the time you get this podcast, oh. it will be finished. So, and they've right now they've really, they've reached 20, 20,300 out of 20,000. So, but, uh, so, okay, nice. that's cool. Good job. Eric home. Don't die by Jeremy Burgess Burgess and, uh, Good. good. Well, maybe, maybe look him up on uh, Twitter or something, and maybe you can like uh, PayPal him fifteen bucks or something. Good <laughs> sure idea. Turn it down. You know what? And and you know what? I'll do on the show notes. I will leave all the their their official Facebook account, so you guys can actually hit up the, the folks over at Don't Die. Okay, so that is very good. Cool. Good job, Eric Holmes. You are done with your movie recommendations. My my one movie recommendation. It's on Netflix this week. It just came out recently. Bruce Perky or Eric Holmes? Have you ever seen the the Alfred Hitchcock movie Rebecca? Yes. Okay. No. Have okay. Not. Okay, I don't. Do you, would Eric Holmes love Rebecca Bruce Perky? What do you think? I think he would at least like it. I don't know if he would love it. I mean, those are okay. Well, um, Eric Rebecca Holmes. and Notorious. I always almost confuse the two because I feel like they kind of go together. Um, <laughs> oh, I, uh, yeah, Rebecca. I, I I confuse Notorious and Spellbound together. Those are the ones. That I, too. Yes. <laughs> that too. <laughs> okay, Eric Holmes. Did you like? Did you like uh, Guillermo? Uh, Guillermo. Uh, what uh, del Toro, del Toro? What's his name? Guillermo, Guillermo del, del Toro. Toro. Did you Nailed like? It. Did you like Crimson uh, P- Crimson Peak? Did you like that movie? Yeah, it was all right. I'm okay. I'm kind of hot and cold with him. Oh, okay. Did you like? Did you like that fish movie? What was that? The Shape of Water. Yeah, best that, film of the that year? was one. Out, that was uh, not best film of the year, but I wasn't. I wasn't sad that it, you know. I wasn't sad about it getting those accolades. Oh. Cool, cool. I, I I was, but I Crimson Peak. <laughs> sorry, sorry, folks. Sorry, I did not like that movie that much. But uh, Crimson Peak, you're hot and cold on that. If you like Crimson Peak, the production design or the the actual mm. story behind it, you might like Rebecca because that that's a, sort of a gothic drama. Did you like Rebecca at all, Bruce Perky? Did you like th- that Hitch film from your yeah? I remember it. it. It's kind of middle of the road Hitchcock for me, but I, I liked it. I didn't dislike it, but it's not in the upper echelon for my my taste. Okay, so Rebecca now out on Netflix this week. It, right now, I'm looking at IMDb 5.9 out of 10. That's not a good rating. I'm a huge Hitchcock fan, as I'm sure everyone is. Uh, the, the original Rebecca, it's based on that Daphne du Maurier novel of the same name. We all love Daphne du Maurier because of Don't Look Now. I mean, Eric Holmes really enjoyed Don't We, we had a Don't Look Now talk way back when. But yeah, but this one is based on du Maurier's novel, Rebecca. And the original film won Best Picture when it was released in 1940, okay? And it starred Joan Fontaine and Laurence Olivier, okay? Joan Fontaine, she played this young girl who marries this rich widower played by Laurence Olivier. And this rich widower, he is he has a lot of secrets. He takes her to his estate. His estate is beautiful. It's sort of by, sort of by maybe the coast, by the sea. It's called Manderley. It's, called, it's a huge sprawling. It's like something you'd see out of Downton freaking Abbey. And while she's living there, while Joan Fontaine's living there, she is um, she is actually harassed by this maid, this housekeeper named Mrs. Danvers. And Mrs. Danvers is the the woman, sort of maybe the evil woman or mysterious woman who rules the roost at Manderley. And when she when she's living in Manderley, that the girl, who's known as Mrs. De Winter, the little the the young woman, she ends up really not liking her stay at Manderley because her new husband, he's very secretive and he's very brooding and the maid is really under, is really bossing her around. So that's the original Hitchcock film. Now transpose it to today. Instead of Joan Fontaine, you get Lily James. Okay. Instead of Laurence Olivier, you get 
Army Hammer. And instead of Ben, uh, instead of Alfred Hitchcock, you get Ben Wheatley. Ben Wheatley, you, you and me, Bruce, were talking about Ben Wheatley a little bit. His previous directing credits include Free Fire from 2016, which I was a little bit mixed on. Uh, High Rise, yeah. I haven't seen yet, 2015. I heard today that, Eric Holmes, have you seen this 2011 film called Kill List? Kill List, 2011. And it centers on, okay, nearly a year after a botched job, a hitman takes a new assignment with the promise of a big payoff for three killings. What starts off as an easy task soon unravels, sending the killer into the heart of darkness. Do you remember that film from 2011, Eric Holmes? Uh, No. Well, the, the plot sounds familiar, but not with the name The Kill List. The Kill List. It's directed by Ben Wheatley, 2011. Yes. Bruce Perky, your thoughts on the on Kill List? Kill List is excellent. Very, very underrated, but well, well loved in the horror and genre community as a kind of an unsung movie. Yep. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. I had no so it's an unsung unsung movie. Yeah. So Ben Wheatley, does he I don't know. I haven't seen Kill List. I don't know if that Ben Wheatley from Kill List infuses any of that violence or or twistiness to Rebecca. I think what he does is he decides, in my opinion, he does it does it the right way. He doesn't try to parrot Hitchcock like De Palma does, which I'm fine with. He doesn't try to go for these elaborate shots. Rebecca is just a beautiful looking movie filled with great performances from Lily James and Army Hammer. It's it's a fun ride. And if you've never seen Rebecca before, you're you're in for a treat with with this movie. And then my Ultimate suggestion is watch this version first because it's on Netflix and it's free, whatever. And then if you're really interested, go back and watch the Alfred Hitchcock version because the Hitchcock version has a lot of amazing standout visual moments that will probably be ingrained in your brain forever. But this movie doesn't have that, but it's still a well-told story. Now, going back to what Bruce Perky was saying, Ben Wheatley, he does a good job on Rebecca and he does, I'm sure Bruce Perky, you loved him in, you loved his directing effort in Kill List, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, the yes. reason why I'm saying this is because I was listening to a podcast today where synchronic directors, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, were extolling the virtues of Kill List as well. Just a little bit of a coinkadinky. So, yeah, if you don't trust me, uh, if you don't trust Bruce Perky, maybe trust the synchronic directors, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, as far as watching the Ben Wheatley film Kill List. And on my, and my recommendation is definitely check out this version of Rebecca. Very interesting watch. And hopefully, I don't know, hopefully maybe one of these days, one of you guys will see Rebecca on Netflix. It's not just some kind of really sweet, weepy romantic drama. Don't think of it that way. It looks like it from the poster. It has a lot more substance to it. Bruce Perky, you have a couple more before we go? Yeah, I've got one. I got two excellent movies. The first one I just watched, but I don't know if any of you have seen it. And the second one, I think we can all hop on. So we can all hop on together on on the last one. But the first one I'll bring up is from 2007. It's showing on Amazon Prime. I think it just popped on there because it wasn't on there two days ago when I watched it. What is up with Prime lately? I bet you it won't be that. You know, with your choices, (laughs) by the time we get back, we log on, it'll be gone. gone. Uh, But it's also on Tubi. It's also on Canopy. So you can see it in a lot of different places. Uh, It's 2007 movie from Spain called Los Cronocremes or Time Crimes. Oh, it's directed by, have you seen it, Eric? Yeah. Well, when it first came out on DVD, I need that, that I need to check that one out again. 
Again, it's, great, great job, Bruce, because I just listened to a podcast. They were mentioning time crimes as well. Yes. And it was on the, uh, the Moorhead uh, Benson podcast, Time Crimes. It's uh, directed by Nacho Vigalando, and he also plays a small part in this movie. This is, so if you're kind of, if you get into time travel movies and they kind of are like, I don't want my mind bent too much. I just want to have fun. This is kind of somewhere in between like the far extreme of complexity and the super, you know, fun side of maybe like um, Back to the Future. You're kind of right in the middle with Time Crimes. Time Crimes, though, is a small, very grounded, independent movie. And what I love about this movie, other than it's just a really, really fun and great movie, is that it's one of those movies where you start and the first 15 or 20 minutes are just really average life. You see this guy named Hector, played by uh, Cara Ella Halde, and his wife, Clara, played by Cadela Fernandez. And they're just living their life. They're out in this country house. They're remodeling it. And as it goes, you see all these little details. And as it goes on after that, all those details will mean something later on, which happens Ooh. in time travel movies, right? Yeah. You'll see a pair of binoculars. You'll see a pair of scissors. You'll see uh, there'll be a random phone call from somebody. You don't know who it is. And all of those things, of course, are going to play in as it goes. The, and I'm not going to give much away other than the fun thing about this is the time travel that takes place is only an hour back in time. And what happens with that hour back in time leads to not only an awesome, fun time travel movie, and it's very, it's more of like a thriller, right? It's not like a comedy, uh, a thriller time traveler movie that's also a unraveling movie. So if you like Ooh. movies where characters unravel, it's the idea of if you went back in time a little bit and you had to try to fix everything because now you know what's going to happen and everything you try to fix makes it worse and you have to keep trying to fix it. That's kind of the idea of this movie. Super good, super, super good movie. And the other thing I would mention about it that I love is in a movie like this, where you're going to have mind-bending elements, they make the geography super simple and super understandable. So when you're watching the movie, you always know what's happening and where it's happening. There's this country house. There's a scientific institute on the other hill. There's a road that goes between it with a little forested area, and everything happens in those areas. So when things are interacting and crossing paths, alternate versions of time are happening. You know where everyone was at in whatever timeline is occurring. So... If you are looking for something kind of fun, I would say look for Time Crimes. Super fun. Super good. Time Crimes. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is the second time I've heard of Time Crimes. I've never heard of it before today. What does the other movie this guy made? Oh, he made Colossal. I wasn't really a huge fan of Colossal, but that was kind of his, this guy got that next. So if you ever right. heard of that movie. You weren't a huge fan of Colossal. I don't know if it, it didn't make a big, the, Eric Holmes, did you ever see Colossal with Anne Hathaway in 2016? Yeah, I, saw, I saw that one in the theater. I, I like Colossal a lot. Um, oh, okay. But I, I saw it uh, in the theater, and I saw it again when it came out on video. I haven't watched it again, but it, it was kind of a – it was uh, one of those movies I didn't have any real expectations going in, but mm-hmm. I saw it, and I was like, oh, this, that was kind of fun. And then you get to watch, uh, who is it, Jason Sudeikis? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Apple, which is always fun, watching him be an asshole. <laughs> but Bruce, you you came into Colossal with maybe expect, expectations, maybe no, no, I didn't. I, I I didn't know. I saw that in the past and just never really thought much of it. But I went back, and this movie's from before then. This movie's from you know early thousands, and I just was like, oh, he made Colossal after this. I'm kind of wondering because this movie is so tight and so focused and so fun and good that you kind of 
this might be the example of where you say you have the small independent director that's just really doing his own thing and has got it dialed in and kind of gets a little more of a budget and maybe that untethers them too much. Like they almost need that constriction a little bit to stay focused. I don't know. Okay. All right. So Time Crimes, it's now on Amazon, streaming on Amazon Prime Video. I'm Again, with Bruce Perky's luck, I'm going to really fall in love with this movie, try to actually watch it after we're done taping, and it'll be gone. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see. So Time Crimes, that's very interesting. You have one more movie, Bruce Perky, for us to jump on? Yeah, and one? I think we can all jump on this one. I oh. finally got around to watching, and this is a flashback. We want to hear our spotlight, our first spotlight, which was William Friedkin, where we did Sorcerer, and um, we did Sorcerer, we did Killer Joe. And William Friedkin's first take on a Tracy Letts script slash play is The Amazing Bug. And <laughs> if you have the video right now, you're going to see that Eric is, is dealing with some aphids or something there. <laughs> and you've seen this too, I'm sure, uh, Greg. I'm so um, sorry. I haven't seen it. Anderson Cowan has seen it and he loves bug. And I know we all know Eric Holmes loves bug. So I do like Ashley okay. Judd and Michael Shannon and Harry Connick Jr. So Yeah, and they're really the core of this movie. Uh, so, okay, earlier I talked about Winslow Boy and how it was a play, and you could kind of tell it was a play. This sure. is a play, and you can tell it was a play too, but this crackles with insane energy. And um, Ashley Judd is really, really good in this, but Michael Shannon, I mean, we all know that Michael Shannon's amazing. But the way he comes into this role is, I mean, it is next level uh, awesome. And I guess he did this on stage first I was reading. So he was actually reprising his stage role when he came in to do this. Uh, so what's the basic concept? We got to tell you, Ashley Judd is just kind of been living sort of basically living in a hotel and she, you know, works as like the end of this waitress on the side and you can tell she's kind of down and out and her, and um, the uh, Harry Connick Jr. Character has been in jail. He obviously was kind of abusive to her. So, and he's about to get out. And she's just kind of living a very, kind of a solitary, sad life, you know. And very quickly, Peter, played by Michael Shannon, comes into her life. And he's a very odd, kind of seems sensitive and he seems kind of nice, but kind of awkward. And also, you're not sure if he's creepy or what's exactly going on. But very quickly, you get the idea that he has some very strong elements of paranoia about him. And those that revolve around governments and monitoring and bugs and things that might be happening to them. And it cascades very, well, I wouldn't say very quickly. What do you say, Eric? You can hop in on this. this I, I, well, it doesn't uh, cascade quickly. It does it kind of slyly. Yeah. Be, because the stuff he brings up, I, I mean, it's, it's basically a... a a microcosm of conspiracy theory or how yes. you would get into conspiracy theory. Cause it yeah, starts out the, kind of plausible when you say, yeah, like, it's like, it's like Oh, you got these little bugs in here. I don't see it. It's right there. Oh yeah. I can kind of see it. And they're doing drug, you know, meth and Coke too. Yeah. So that probably doesn't help things, but it just starts <laughs> off as a little thing. And actually just kind of like, you know, Oh, okay. There's a bug there. Not a big deal. And then, Oh, there's a couple bugs. Oh, I got bug bites. Oh, and then and then it just kind of slowly or just kind of naturally escalates. I guess probably not the right word. Naturally, it's kind of like like the uh, cooking the frog slowly, right? You know, like that. Yeah, idea. that that's perfect. 
Yeah, because you, you see him at the you see him at the beginning, yeah. and you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But you see him at the end, like, how the fuck does someone get that crazy? It's cl- clearly everything they think is just ridiculous. But then to watch that journey, it's like, okay, I I don't know the exact point where they went nuts, but at some point they did. And yeah. well, and I thought about it as I was watching it. And what's really good about how this script works is that it clearly shows them as both being pretty broken people. Like they're both yeah. people that have a very strong need to belong and to be understood by another person. So that automatically attracts them to each other and it lets them both feed on each other's like kind of needs and energy so that when the, the paranoia and the conspiracy stuff starts adding on to that, they're both able to kind of fall into that delusion and the way it goes, I mean, like you said, it just goes up. It never stops. It just goes up, 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 up. I mean, to the point where the crescendo is so crazy and so manic. And there's a, <laughs> it's not a true monologue, but it's almost a monologue that Michael Shannon has in the last 10 minutes is one yeah. of the most amazing things I have ever seen. He, and then... He, and then Ashley Judd kind of tag teams it and finishes. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's not quite a. It's not quite a monologue. Like, like he he basically starts just you know. There's a manic like unloading of everything that's happening, and she feeds into it and makes it worse. Oh my gosh, this movie is. Whew, I, I think this is also like a, you know, uh, early on especially because there are people that have beliefs about everything, and I. I'm usually of the mind that uh, if you're going to believe something, it should be true. Um, but then a lot of people, their, their defense is, Oh, what's it going to hurt? Let them believe what they want. Right. This, this definitely very well illustrates how bad information can, has the potential to get out of hand. Not that it's always going to yes. do that. You know, maybe you want to well, believe in Bigfoot, you know, maybe that is harmless, but if you never know what that can escalate into, especially with someone like Michael Shannon's character who yes. clearly has mental issues. Um, well, it's like the potential energy, right? You could have a whole bucket full of gasoline, but if you don't put fire into it, it's not yeah. going to do anything. But this is the two wrong things to get combined to, to, together. But I want to also just add to the William Friedkin side of things because the script and the acting is incredible. But we've talked again earlier about you know Killer Joe and how you know, so late in his career, William Friedkin is still firing in all cylinders. This is just a little bit before that. And once again, to compare it to something like Fury Road, the amount of energy and just, oh, yeah. just bravura filmmaking that's going on here from somebody that's way into their career. I mean, that the third act of this movie, visually acting, just intensity is incredible. And just the look of that hotel room and i'm not going to tell anybody if you haven't seen it because the look of that hotel room at the end and what is happening there is just something to behold oh wow so high marks for bug directed by william freakin okay so almost uh, right on the level of killer joe is it almost on that level totally yeah i think i think killer joe has going for it killer joe has more colorful characters and this one does this is a little more like it's almost a two act it's a two person play it has a third you know it has other characters, but it's really those two, most of it. So uh, Killer Joe has a little more like spice in that mix. This also does a lot of more subtle version, but a lot of what Spun, uh, if you ever seen Spun with oh, uh, Mickey like, Rourke and yeah. John Leguizamo, they're a bunch of uh, meth heads. The people talking over each other and the arguments like escalating. And it's it's really, uh, what the word like kind of, you hear people 
screaming at you and screaming at you and you just want to shut the fuck up please it's just uh really <laughs> yeah. uh i i don't know what the word i'm looking for just it, it got real antsy watching it the, yeah this is like one of those things where the form mimics the form and the effect you get mimics the actual content of the movie right so yeah. you're getting that same intensity and unease just because of everything like the visuals the sound like the sound design in this movie is amazing i don't mm-hmm. know how most of you guys watch movies i watch almost every movie with headphones on one way or another yeah i have bluetooth headphones if i'm watching on my big tv if i'm watching on a smaller screen i always have headphones on and if you watch this movie with headphones on you can hear the sound design and there's stuff happening on the sides and in corners and it's really kind of increases that kind of weird paranoia because there's stuff happening around you. It's there's helicopters, always helicopter sounds coming through. It's just stuff going on to, to increase the anxiety level. Well, okay. So bug now streaming on Tubi and, um, that is cool. And then Eric Holmes is doing the bug stuff. I, I feel bad because I, I mean, I, I guess Harry Connick Jr. isn't a big, isn't a big, uh, he's, he's part of the ensemble, but he well, doesn't, ha- it, he has a little bit of, I should have asked him about that movie when I interviewed him years ago. You know, I, I got, I, it's another movie I have to see under the freaking thing. And down the road, if we keep on doing this podcast for a while, we're going to come back to freaking. I know, I know Eric Holmes has a couple of movies that he really wants to talk about regarding William Freakin. So, okay. Uh, that is it for our this week of Find Your Film. We covered a lot. Eric Holmes, you have anything to say? Anything to plug? Anything you want to get off your chest? Uh, yes, but I can't remember it now. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's head, fine. I got my head space on the bug, and I'm just thinking of thinking of watching that again. I'm like, I, yeah, there was, uh, the, I'm sure there was something, but yeah. I can't think of what it is. But, uh, hey, congratulations Vincent. to Joe Bridges, and can't wait to see where intensity goes. And okay. it'll be intense to see that story play out. Oh, very cool! And you're excited next week for Joe Dante. You have you have uh, are your gun, guns blazing? Your cinematic guns blazing for next week? Oh or? yeah, I, I've been studying for this my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Okay, and uh, yeah, well, last thing I'm gonna say to you is uh, two weeks in another town, Vincente Minnelli and Kirk Douglas. So that might be another movie that down the road you might just watch, just on a blind blind watch. Bruce Perk, you're gonna lead us out. Any any final thoughts? Just check out Russ Stolmeyer, R-U-S-T-O-M-I-R-E. I put the video version of this up. If you're listening to it and you want to see Eric shaking all the bugs off, you can do that. Uh, next week, look forward to our spooky Halloween episode. <laughs> so we'll have a lot of fun. And uh, Joe Dante, of course, is fan-fucking-tastic. And finally, I will be able to see gremlins it's uh something where you put water on people right it creatures something, yeah, something like that like that. Some, 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 <laughs> <laughs> all right guys take care and we will see you next week on find your film